The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, which you don't want to miss, you know what to do. Go to our website, VeritasRadio.com, and click on the subscribe button. You'll receive your credentials to log in immediately. Don't wait any longer. Give yourself the gift of truth. In the West, politicians and journalists of all stripes have referred to Russian President Vladimir Putin as a thug, a tyrant, a murderer, a communist, a Nazi, the next Hitler, and more. But amongst the Russian people, his popularity rating has reached levels as high as 85%. So who's right? Why such hatred for Vladimir Putin? Is it justified, or has Putin been targeted merely for standing up to the U.S.-EU axis of internationalism? There are parallels between the time prior to World War II and today. I will explore all of this with tonight's special guest, Michael S. King. Michael S. King is a private investigative journalist and researcher based in the New York area. A 1987 graduate of Rutgers University, King's subsequent 30-year career in marketing and advertising has equipped him with a unique perspective when it comes to understanding how public opinion is indeed scientifically manufactured. Madison Avenue marketing acumen combines with city boy instincts to make Michael S. King one of the most tenacious detectors of things that don't add up in the world today. Says King of his admitted quirks, irreverent disdain of conventional wisdom, an uncanny ability to ferret out and weave together important data points that others miss. Had Sherlock Holmes been an actual historical personage, I would have been his reincarnation, he says. King's other interests include the animal kingdom, philosophy, chess, cooking literature, cooking literature, uh, history with emphasis on events of the late 19th through the 20th century. And his latest book is titled The War Against Putin, with the government media complex isn't telling you about Russia. And to learn more about Michael S. King and his work, visit our website. We have links over there. You can buy the book that way as well. And directly from Patterson, New Jersey, I would like to welcome Michael S. King. Hello, Mike, and welcome to Veritas. Hello, Mel. It's a pleasure to be on your show. And again, that website was tomatobubble.com. Tomatobubble.com. Great. Well, Michael, it's my pleasure. Michael, you Mike, by the way. Yes. Mike, it's a pleasure having you on. And as I was telling you offline, a lot of what we're going to be discussing here tonight 
I don't think, needless to say, that the mainstream media will never, never touch. But even alternative media, only perhaps a few, a few brave hoes out there are willing to discuss all of this. But the first thing that came to mind when I read the book, and I know you've been very careful when you wrote this book to keep a lot of the parallels between World War II and Hitler aside. You, you, you planted some seeds for, the, for those who are really awake to see the parallels. But to other people, why is it that when you, when you say Putin, the first thing that comes to mind is, oh, Mel, he was former KGB. So what? George H.W. Bush 41 was the CIA director. Oh, he's a commie. Look at the the economy in Russia today. So he's the least from being a communist. Why the Pavlovian reaction that most people have? Let's start from there. Well, uh, most of what people know or think they know uh, does not really come from uh, true instruction or education. It's indoctrination and it's brainwashing. And it's Pavlovian, as you say. This is what the press repeats over and over and over again. And in time, when someone continues to hear this rubbish without being exposed to another point of view, it, it just embeds it, itself in their psyches, and they just repeat without thinking. And, you know, uh, you know, it was Hitler who once said, what good fortune for rulers that men do not think. And he was saying this as a criticism of the uh, situation of his day. But very few people think. They only react. And and that's why these false beliefs about Putin have become, to a large extent, embedded in the minds of most people. It's no surprise that Western media, as you say, manufactures reality. But the problem I have with that is that most people do not even question it. Even in the 21st century, with the Internet, with so many different sources. Why is that, Mike? Because independent thought requires a little bit of work, and it's just a natural uh, inclination of the human mind to take the past path of least resistance. Uh, people simply um, do not like to think, and that's especially the case in this day and age. Um, you know, it's an odd paradox. At the same time that we have this miraculous tool for research, that is the internet, uh, people's ability to think and apply their thought process is also diminished because they want everything instantaneous. Uh, but all that is really required to see through these, these monstrous mendacities that are being put forth about Putin and about so many other events is for people to just think, to do a little bit of thinking. It, it, it's not that difficult. These, these lies are very transparent. Um, but you know the the conditioning has been not to think, and then when when someone is presented with the truth um, from someone else who has this capacity of independent thought, we're, we're often dismissed as lunatics in their primitive, simplistic minds. So this is the the result of decades of deliberate scientific programming. It's not by accident that so many of our fellow citizens uh, operate on the intellectual level of zombies. I think of uh, the father of mother, modern propaganda, Edward Bernays, how all of this has been happening all the way, I would say, since World War I. But let's go to the, to the man of the hour, as we call him, Putin. 
tell us his background, his origins. For somebody who has been, who has uh, between 70 and 80% approval rating, it's important for us to know of his beginnings. Can you tell us? Well, he began as, um, well, he graduated from a, a chemistry institute. Uh, it, was, it was a high school. The, the specialty there was uh, chemistry, which I point out in my book is probably the equivalent of attaining a bachelor's degree at an American right. university in chemistry. <laughs> and from, from then on, he studied uh, economics. Uh, he learned he's fluent in the German language. He's conversant in French and English as, as well. He holds a black belt in judo. So he's, he's a very dynamic individual who possesses that rare combination of you know an intellect and yet, at the same time, he's a man's man. He's a, he has a law and degree. He has a law degree and a PhD and a doctorate degree, a PhD in economics. Com- in law. In, 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 oh, which one is the PhD? Right. The the uh, the P, the PhD is in uh, law, and then the degree is in economics. economics. Compare that to our our president here. What 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 do we really know? What his background is. Well, we have a professor at Columbia University who was a legend there, taught for 50 years, and this is a liberal Democrat, no less, who, who came out years ago. He says it would have been impossible for uh, any anyone going through the course of studies that Obama did, did not have come through his class. He knows everyone who's ever become a congressman, a governor, or a senator, and he insists that there was no Barack Obama who attended Columbia University. He goes on to say that even some of his peers believe this. Of course, uh, they being far younger than, than he uh, have not come forward publicly to say this, but you know, this gentleman, he's probably about 90 years old now, so he doesn't care. So we don't know if he went to Columbia. Uh, and if he didn't go to Columbia, he certainly didn't go to Harvard. And we don't know who, who could have paid for these expensive schools. Uh, we don't know who his roommates were. We don't know who his uh, uh, girlfriends were. We do have some uh, knowledge of some young men that tickle this fancy, but we we know nothing else of the man. So it is quite a contrast. And the the same with George Bush and the same with uh, John McCain, who graduated, uh, I think it was 801 out of 803 cadets at West Point. (laughs) So, you know, you look at the intellectual level. And how many planes did he crash? Politicians. Well, as far as I know, uh, at least three. Uh, one of them was from hot dogging, crashed into some power lines in Spain. On, uh, on another occasion, uh, when he was shot down over Vietnam, he, he broke his arms. He, he forgot his basic training. He forgot to tuck his arms in as he ejected, broke both of them. And then he allowed a legend to spread about his arms having been broken during torture sessions, which is actually not true. Um, but you could go down the list of America's leading politicians in Europe, and I call them uh, pygmies. I mean, intellectually, morally, uh, they're pygmies. And compared to Putin, I mean, he, he stands out like a giant uh, among them. And I believe that's also one of the motivations for some of the hatred directed at him from our political class. I think part, part of it is he triggers a, uh, an inferiority complex uh, within him. So he's definitely a first-rate uh, intellect, um, you know, black belt in, in judo, very, just a very accomplished uh, man's man, is a very special human being. And I, I, I think the ultimate testimony to that is the degree of filth that is heaped upon his head 
by the American media, that alone tells you uh, what kind of man it is. Simply reverse what the press tells you, and nine, 99 out of 100 times you'll arrive at the truth. I'm looking at a, an article from the uh, Washington Times here. It says, Mr. Putin obtained a Ph.D. in economics in 1997 from the St. Petersburg Mining Institute. So, oh, that, yeah, that, that's right. And, and and unlike our our uh, PhD econom- economists who come out of Harvard, uh, Mr. Putin evidently truly learned something of value, as opposed to half baked Keynesian theories of printing money endlessly and expecting prosperity. Because uh, under his stewardship, uh, Russia has emerged from the pit of despair to rapid economic growth and, and, and development. It's, um, and it has to do a lot with the policies that he instituted. And these are very pro-business, pro-market policies. I mean, one would think that the Republicans here in America would love Mr. Putin and point to him as an example of what happens when you have uh, tax cuts and cuts in the bureaucracy and free commerce. Uh, but no, they ignorantly refer to him as, as a commie when the Russian economy is far freer than any other economy in Europe, has the lowest tax rates uh, in Europe. Uh, and I summarize in my book some of these economic reforms. But he's, he's definitely an advocate of the market. So he evidently learned something in his economics courses. So his PhD actually means something. When you have uh, Gerard Depardieu <laughs> relinquishing from his French uh, or European Union citizenship because the the tax rate for him is about 70-some percent, and in Russia they have a flat tax of 13 percent. And when you look also at the people who say, oh, Putin, he's just a commie, I cannot believe the level of ignorance of people saying that. When you look at the GDP ratio in the United States being 100%, U.S. debt to GDP ratio, that is, France, 90%, the U.K., 90%, Germany, after Hitler, 80%, and Russia, get this, 11%. So if we have somebody in the world stage to learn from right now, when it comes to the economics, it will be Vladimir Putin. Uh, that's that's right. Uh, and when you consider uh, not only the damage that 70 years of communism did to the Soviet Union, but the 10 years of Yeltsinism, which compounded that, uh, to, to go from where they were to where they are now, and, and don't get me wrong, they still have problems, they still have a way to go, uh, but they are definitely on the right course. It's um, nothing short of, well, it's, it's almost a miraculous uh, recovery. I was surprised to learn throughout the course of my research that uh, Russia today has a booming private uh, medical insurance industry. But 15% of Russians now rely exclusively upon private health care. An additional 60% of Russians use a private system for basic stuff. Maybe the more expensive procedures, they still re- rely on the state system. But what is happening is Russia is year after year, private health care is expanding, becoming more affordable and of a world-class quality. Uh, meanwhile, the state system is slowly uh, fading away. So they're going in the exact opposite direction 
of free, I use that in quotes, America. So here we are rushing to embrace socialism, full-blown communism even, and Russia's moving in the other direction. And to hear these fools say, well, Putin's a commie, Putin's KGB, it would be comical if it's not so dangerous in its, um, uh, in its implications because they, it, this is exactly how the 1930s played out. That's right. It was a war of words, and then it was a war of sanctions. Um, and I'm just hoping to shed a little light, a little clarity here. How ironic that we are the ones who are moving into socialism and they're the ones moving into more of a, of a measured way of capitalism because even Putin has said, look, I don't, I don't mind people who, who, who are successful. I don't mind businesses that make a lot of money. What I mind is the monopolies. What I mind is the oligarchy that, you know, ensued after or during Yeltsin. Well, that's right. I mean, uh, with the fall of communism and the, the rise of Yeltsinism, uh, Russia was absolutely raped. And it wasn't merely the, the folly or the ineptitude of Boris Yeltsin. You have to understand that Yeltsin himself was completely and utterly controlled, dominated by Western forces. Uh, what happens after the uh, fall of the Berlin Wall and all that, uh, Russia turned to the United States for help in transitioning from a command and control economy to a market economy, so-called. So we sent all these hotshots from Harvard, and the, the medicine was worse than the original disease. Well, what happened is, is Russia experienced a false privatization. It was not a transition to a market economy. In, instead, state enterprises were transferred to private individuals, almost all of them Zionists, who took over entire industries for pennies on the dollar or even for free. And thus, the state was ch choked off and deprived of revenues. And you had a handful of gangsters who overnight became billionaires and then multi-multi-multi-billionaires. They bought up the press. They bought up the government. Uh, I mean, it was a nightmare. There's no exaggeration, uh, exaggerating. The, the horrors that the, the Russian people experienced during the Yeltsin years. And, uh, you know, Yeltsin, by the time he left office, he had a 2% uh, approval rating. But this was the West boy. This was Wall Street's boy, Boris Yeltsin, Wall Street, Ivy League. In fact, Mel, there were many of these Ivy League hotshots uh, were embedded in the Yeltsin government itself. They had offices there in the Kremlin that they worked out of. So, the, I mean, the, the country was invaded by economic hitmen from the West and, uh, and raped, deliberately so. So it's important for people to, 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 to have this context in mind before they even begin to attempt to understand what's going on today. But unfortunately, people's memory is only month to month, week to week even. We'll come back to Putin in a moment, but let me go back to the time when Joseph Stalin died and then Nikita Khrushchev took over. And he was perceived as somebody a little bit more moderate and to make uh, people happy in certain parts of the, the Soviet republics, I believe it was Crimea, where he actually ceded that from Russia to the Republic of Ukraine, which was part of the Soviet Union. But he was always part of Russia before, the eastern part of Crimea. 
Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.